Welcome to the Habits of Leadership podcast, brought to you by Cut Through Coaching, helping leaders and their teams to thrive, professionally and personally. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Habits of Leadership podcast. My name's Dan Hasler and in this episode I'd like to share with you a conversation I had with Professor Carol Dweck. Many of you would be familiar with Professor Dweck's work in and around the area of mindset, in particularly the fixed and the growth mindset. This conversation was actually recorded about a year and a half ago and we spent a lot of our time talking around uh, some of the misappropriations, misconceptions, maybe even myths um, of mindset, and probably more um, pertinently how the ways in which perhaps mindset has been um, interpreted by schools, organizations, coaches, uh, and, and whatnot. This interview actually first aired as part of my semi-regular uh, spot on the TER podcast, which if you're a teacher, um, I definitely recommend you check out the TER podcast on um, iTunes or wherever you get your your podcasts. Um, but I wanted to share it with you on the Habits of Leadership podcast because I know that for many of you, mindset is something that um, you think about. It's something that um, schools uh, and organizations are, are starting to consider when it comes to either obviously in schools teaching and learning and, and in organizations um, you know uh, about talent development so in this chat we focus primarily on the myths as well as some of the challenges that uh, her work has actually faced in recent times but I kicked off the conversation by asking Carol, what are her first thoughts when she hears that a school or an organization do, in inverted commas, they do growth mindset? I have two simultaneous thoughts. One is, great, they've really found my work useful. And the other is, what do they mean, do growth mindset? How are they implementing it? Are they really getting it? Are they embodying it? Are they doing it effectively? Because mm. um, in, in my work and also um, when I'm just seeing how people talk about how they do growth mm -hmm. mindset, um, I think sometimes it's, it sort of gets distilled down to sort of like quite inspirational sounding sayings. Yes. Um, but I'm wondering, as you say there, how much is actually under the surface. So I was wondering if you could sort of um, give yes, no, answers to these questions, but feel free to elaborate um, accordingly mm -hmm. if, if there was more you wanted to say. So uh, yes or no, in schools, is a growth mindset about telling kids they can be anything they want to be? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, just telling kids you can do anything, you can do, uh, be anything you want to be without informing them what it would take where they are now relative to that dream, um, what they'd have to do in school and after to attain that dream, showing them actually specific pathways they can begin on to, uh, to, to, to start to move in that direction. Without that, you're not doing a favor. And the child might even 
blame him or herself later if the plan doesn't pan out. Mm. So in, in some ways, um, our, I guess, great intentions to tell kids from whatever background, you know, you can be anything you mm -hmm. want to be. If we don't really then follow through, it might actually end up being disempowering. Yes. And in fact, if you say you can be anything you want to be if you just try hard or work hard, again, that is not in itself helpful, not specific enough. Then the child again feels, I failed and it's my fault. Right, yeah. As opposed to all of the difficult strategies, all the pads, all the mentorship you're going to have mm. to get. Yeah. So, interesting you talked about, you know, working hard, try hard. Is a growth mindset uh, all about telling kids that they should never give up? No. <laughs> Go on. Okay. <laughs> it's about showing kids that there are many paths to learning, mm. improving. Um, effort is one of them. Uh, great strategies and persistence. That, that's important. Using resources, finding mentors, getting advice. Uh, so that is more than try hard, but never give up. There are times you should give up. If your strategy isn't working, just persevering in it is fruitless. If you're doing everything conceivable and you're not progressing, maybe this isn't for you. If you decide you want it more than anything on earth and consult people, find different ways, okay. But if it's not working and you could be doing something more fulfilling, sure, change course. A growth mindset is the idea that you can develop your abilities. It doesn't promise you that you'll go to the top. It doesn't promise you the rate at which you'll, Im you'll improve. It just says you can improve and develop your abilities. So you have to take stock at every point. Is this working? Is this not working? Yeah. So having a growth mindset, in essence, means that you can give up. Yeah, sometimes in a fixed mindset, you don't want to give up because you, you're declaring yourself a failure. Yeah. Admitting and defeat is, you, I can't, I can't yes, have that. Yeah. yeah, so you're throwing good money after bad. Yeah. Um, in a growth mindset, you can say, this isn't really working for me. Mm. Yes, I could, but what I hoped would happen is not happening. Let me see if my efforts and strategies will bear greater fruits. Mm. Because, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but sometimes I find that, um, that you know, if, if, we, if we drill it into kids that, you know, they should never give up and it can always be better, and we might be at risk of kind of pushing kids into almost perfectionist tendencies and being mm -hmm. anxious. And, you know, sometimes never give up is really quite poor advice for some kids in particular if they have health issues or, or, yeah. or whatnot. Yes, yes, because... Um, you have some kids in sports over-practicing, injuring themselves. Yeah, yeah. If that's in the name of never give up, mm. uh, it's not what we want in our kids. Mm. We want them to be able to reasonably assess, do a reasonable amount, assess how it's going, and then change course if yeah. necessary. 
Yes or no? <laughs> Growth v fixed, good versus evil. Let me, let me just put this into, uh, let me just put this into um, context for you. Um, I've seen it on Twitter and I've actually seen it in schools where I've gone into where a list of growth mindset behaviors or thinking is under the watchful gaze of Yoda out of Star Wars mm -hmm. and the fixed mindset stuff is under the gaze of Darth Vader implying that growth mindset is good and the fixed mindset is mm -hmm. evil and to be avoided. I'm really in, I have issues about giving kids something else to worry about in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm interested particularly in your point of view about is one good per se, is it good per se? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, a growth mindset can be really, really useful. Being willing to take on challenges, being able to persist when it's appropriate and not be derailed by setbacks that could be overcome, those are good tools to have. That's a good way of thinking in many situations. Also, People have simplistically, simplistically talked about growth versus fixed mm, yes. as though you're one or the other. Mm. And so a lot of educators rush to say, I'm the good one. Mm. I love the kids. I'm the one who helps them learn. I have a growth mindset. Um, and I, and um, one superintendent in the US told me he was giving really mild, constructive feedback uh, to a teacher, and she said, are you insinuating that I have a fixed mindset? Mm. And the answer is yes. We all are a mixture. We are all a mixture of fixed and growth. We all have triggers that catapult us into fixed mindset thinking. It could be when we're embarking on something difficult, when we're struggling. Uh, or when, when we receive feedback. Sometimes that just closes us down criticism. Away. Yeah. That is one of the biggest triggers. And we have to recognize it. Uh, we have to hear that voice in our head that says, that fixed mindset voice that says, you can't do this, you're not good at it, everyone else, uh, you'll, expose, uh, you'll be exposed as an imposter. And then we decide, okay, do we want to go back to that growth mindset place? There are also some situations where it doesn't matter. You're not being confronted with challenges or setbacks or criticism. And there are some situations where it does matter. Um, but the thing of good versus bad implies you should always be in a growth mindset, um, that if you're not, you're bad. And I've seen places where they put the onus on the student. You know, they, they give a growth mindset lesson, they put the chart, the good versus evil chart up in the front of the room. And then from then on, it's the student's responsibility. You're on your own. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. And like, you're not yeah. showing a growth mindset. Mm. Rather than understanding that an educator should create a context mm. in which students feel it's about their development. Yep. The teacher is an ally, a partner in their development. It's not about 
being judged. Mm. And so the student can open up to challenges, yeah. uh, risk persevering, mm. hear feedback mm. and welcome it. Mm. And I realize, of course, we're talking predominantly about kids because we're, you know, we're an education yeah. podcast. But um, I mean, this clearly has ramifications in, in workplaces and in organizations yes. as well with colleagues and you know, employees. This is a yes. <laughs> this is a yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's not, I guess that was it. It's um, not just for kids. It's not. And yeah. we're doing a lot of research. My colleagues and I are doing a lot of research in work. Mm. Uh, places in organizations and we're finding that some organizations embody more fixed mindset um, approaches in their culture, a focus on talent, a worship of talent, a belief that it's fixed, others more toward growth mindset culture. We call one culture of genius, the mm. other culture of development, mm. um, where they value and believe in the possibility of everyone's development. Yeah. Um, just the, the final of the, the yes-nos. Uh, I, I go to some uh, schools where only certain kids will be exposed to mindset language, um, either the kids who are most disengaged from education mm -hmm. or in a lot of cases, um, because it was, I think it's where a lot of your work started out, looking at those kids who do well at school. There are some schools um, that I've come across where the, the, the mindset, the growth mindset language is only targeted at those kids who do well at school. Yes. Um, so question, is, is this mindset language and thinking only for certain population groups? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you said targeted at the higher achieving kids, it reminds me that some versions of growth mindset is, everyone can develop their abilities. These kids a tiny bit and these kids a whole lot. Um, everybody will meet with challenges in life. Everybody needs to believe in themselves as a learner. Everybody needs to know how to seek and use criticism. Um, so that's applicable at every level. In a recent uh, nationwide study we showed that um, a growth mindset, an online growth mindset uh, program led to an increase in seeking challenging problems in math across the board. And in a study we did in Chile, um, students who lean toward growth mindset perform better in uh, math and verbal areas regardless of their achievement level. In many of our studies, actually, we find that it is often lower achieving kids who kind of wake up and... I remember seeing that, actually. Yeah. I think in one of the earlier mm -hmm. pieces of work with um, kids who, yeah, um, I think they were from certainly lower socioeconomic areas yes. and, and the differences in their gains over a calendar year yeah. when exposed to the yes. um, growth mindset interventions, yes. th they did out, out, obviously didn't outperform in, absol in absolute senses, but mm -hmm. they, yeah, they seem to show mm -hmm. greater gains. So mm -hmm. is that maybe, has someone taken that and, and maybe, again, the way we've sort of misappropriated it, kind of think, oh, well, it's only, 
you know, it's only for those yeah, it's made. Yeah, so some of, our, um, some of our workshops are one or two sessions sent over the internet. Mm -hmm. The fact that they do anything is kind of a miracle. Yeah. And then um, we seem to detect changes for kids who are initially low achievers. It may be harder to um, detect changes in kids who are already doing well. Or it ta may take a different kind of program to do that. But we know high-achieving kids are not OK. Many of them do not want challenges. Many of them are very fragile. I teach a seminar for freshmen at Stanford every year. They are fragile. So it's interesting because um, the Australian Council of Educational Research here, which is, you know, they put out a lot of publications around the, you know, the, the way our kids are performing here. What they find, and, and uh, I think uh, John Hattie, who I know you met a few weeks back, um, he, um, you know, he says similar things where often it's our kids at the top end of the academic scale at school, if you like, are the ones that grow the least yes. in the calendar year because they don't have to. And so yeah. when they end up at Stanford or a university when all of a sudden they're surrounded by lots of other talented kids, they get hit with this, wow, now I need to work. Now this is a challenge. And some of them, it turns out, don't really like that. Or not that they don't like it, but they've not been given the tools because they've yes. never had to struggle before. Yes, and if you're thinking smart, dumb, mm. now they're starting to entertain that they're not mm. smart. Yeah. Um, Effort, uh, there's research showing that when you're in a fixed mindset, just effort, just applying effort makes you feel less competent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, just being asked to work in a system mm. that they're not used to. But look at what the jobs in the, of the future are going to be. Mm. If we teach our high-achieving kids, they can coast. Mm. They don't have to take challenges. They never hear um, stringent constructive feedback, yeah. whoa, mm. that's not going to bode well. Mm. It was interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, when we, we that, that, the, the, that putting effort in, um, you know, might make you feel dumb. I, I, I work with a lot of kids who are sort of disengaged mm -hmm. from, from school. And um, a lot of the time, you know, the teachers will report their behaviors, you know, they, they, they're abusive, they're violent, whatever it might be. And whilst I'm not suggesting that this is the sole reason for it but I do wonder if there comes a point when a kid just you know what decides it's easier for them personally to act up to get into conflict with adults that's less of a challenge for them than exactly. tackling a maths question exactly and when a teacher sees that a child is acting up being stubborn being defiant it's a reason for compassion mm. it's a reason to work with the student because often those behaviors originate in fear. Mm. Fear of doing the work, fear of looking stupid, even fear of caring about it and yeah. failing. Yeah, which is, which is interesting given the way a lot of school systems handle those kids. Yes, yeah, zero tolerance. It, no. So there's a huge thing in, in the UK mm -hmm. where I'm going in a couple of weeks actually to speak at an event where zero tolerance is getting quite a lot of um, airtime, should we say, uh, as a way to handle these kids. And I'm intrigued as to, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that if you can start to empathize with why the behavior's exactly. showing, then you've got a better way of tackling it rather than just trying to co convince, coerce, yeah. punish the, the behavior so out of them. Exactly. 
Um, evaluations of zero tolerance programs in the U.S. show them to be largely ineffective. Um, several of my colleagues at Stanford created um, a program uh, or a research program where they ask teachers to respond to misbehaving students, adolescents, um, by trying to figure out what are their needs, what are they trying to say, and, and asking them those questions. What do you need? What, you know, what do you want me to know? Can we actually meet your needs uh, in, in a less disruptive way? The disciplinary incidents and suspensions dramatically fell in the classrooms where the teachers did that. Yeah. Which I think, it, it, there's this, you know, I think we need to get more um, discussion happening around those kinds mm -hmm. of interventions, right? Because often what tends to happen is that, so you've got the zero tolerance advocates, and then you've got, and they'll often De, you know, criticize the people who are against that as mm -hmm. being bleeding hearts. Exactly. And sometimes the bleeding hearts just go to the zero tolerance crowd and say, oh, you know, you're just you're being too hard. And I'm wondering if... There's something in the middle. Yeah. Right? Um, it's not about tolerating disruptive behavior. No. It's about understanding that it comes from a, a place, often a place of fear, and um, just treating it, treating the student from a growth mindset perspective. This student is capable of more, capable of growth. Um, and then, you know, you can always send them to the principal afterwards, after you try. That should be the last resort. Um, after you try to say, okay, what do you need? What are you trying to do? Is there a better way? So that sort of leads really nicely onto this idea of the, the, the role of systems or organizations or schools and communities, because obviously in some communities, I, d I don't know if this is a thing, but um, so feel free to contradict me, uh, but this idea, there's a societal fixed mindset. For example, you know, kids from around here don't do that, or, or if you go to this school, then you absolutely must go and then study law or medicine or... Um, I'm interested about the role that you see. It, is it easy to have a growth mindset or, or have more of a growth mindset if the community, society, or the, or the school or organization doesn't nurture that? Is, you know, can, can you be an island, if that makes sense? It's more difficult. Um, in our big national study, we are looking at that exactly. Is it hard to have a growth mindset in certain schools? If we teach a growth mindset, is it harder for it to take root in certain schools and communities? Um, even if the kids learn it, is it hard to implement? Is the school not providing a way for them to show improvement? We are so interested in those questions. We really are moving to this more uh, macro level. Yeah. Which is which is great because obviously you know I think being informed by research is 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 critical in our attempts to deliver this stuff and I think that's probably where the early adopters of it, if you like, who who read the book and mm -hmm. saw you speak and things like that, just jump straight in. So if we move to th this idea of research and you know academia in general, I mean the nature of it is that we, you put forward a, a theory and then and then we we discuss it and 
people counter it and, and, and whatnot. Um, I'm intrigued um, of late. So for, um, I, I read can I somewhere. Jump in? Yeah, of, by, uh, of course you can. <laughs> yes, because um, I want people to understand that as researchers, we are constantly learning. So at any given moment, we put forth our current understanding of the nature of the world, how things work, what what works. Uh, but we, and I think I'm going to say this again when you finish your question, yeah. um, we are constantly back to the drawing board. This isn't working. How can we do better, et cetera? So it's interesting you said this isn't working because I think last year or the year before um, in e England, there was a f the Education Endowment Foundation put out some things which said, even though some kids had gone through a growth mindset intervention, it didn't appear to have much impact, to which I think, I'm not sure if it was you or somebody else replied, yeah, but that could be because kids go home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and th those conversations yeah. that parents then have, because they've not been exposed yes. to it. But, and but I, 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 yes, go on, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no. In that study, it turned out, if we're referring to the same study, okay. It did tend to help the kids if they were given it directly. But right. if it was taught to the teachers, ah, right, it yeah. didn't get through to the kids. Right. And that's consistent with what we're finding. Yeah. It's, it's easy to go directly. It's hard to um, teach teachers how to implement it deeply. Yeah, and I, I think that's interesting because a lot of approaches to raise mm -hmm. standards in school is, you know, it takes the approach of let's teach the teachers and then, you know, assume that that's going to be then implemented faithfully when the teachers then mm -hmm. teach the kids. Yes, so I agree, teach the teachers mm. is a great way to disseminate, but then you have to evaluate whether they pass it on effectively. Mm. And, um, we are finding they do not, mm. and we are completely committed, my colleagues and I, to uh, developing step-by-step -step curricula for teachers that, mm. uh, number one, teach them a deeper understanding of growth mindset and teach them how to implement it, how to embody it in the classroom mm. in what they do. To what extent does a teacher's mindset impact the class mindset or the kid's mindset, do you think? Well, we are finding with um, K-12 teachers and others are finding that the teacher's professed mind mindset mm. is not impacting the students very much. Right. The teacher's practices yes. around mindset mm. are impacting the students. Mm. And the, the teachers who have classes full of growth mindset students are teaching for understanding. Mm -hmm. They're giving process feedback that is for strategies that heighten understanding. They're giving opportunities for kids to revise work, mm -hmm. to show enhanced understanding. Yeah. So I was, I was really interested in what you, you said there, but the difference between articulating your mindset and acting your mindset. So I read a piece of research yesterday, which and it was tweeted out by a colleague of mine, and it was talking about um, uh, mindset. In, so this was research done in the Czech Republic. The mindset of, of some uni students didn't impact their outcomes. But then when I looked at the research, mm -hmm. the way the methodology was, that to ascertain the students' 
mindset, they ask them two questions. To what, and I'll read yeah. them just for the benefit of our listeners, but I'm sure you know these questions. Um, to what, to what extent do you? Um, uh, agree or disagree with these statements. I can learn new things, but I can't really change my basic mm -hmm. intelligence. And I have a certain amount of intelligence, and I really can't do much to change it. That was, the, and, and it was the extent to which they agreed or disagreed mm -hmm. with that. And that was it. That was the only measure they used to ascertain a student's mm -hmm. mindset. But if I'm understanding you correctly, and if it's this is kind of what I look at, sometimes. Or, or a lot of the times, people are giving what they think is the right answer, should we say. Yes. But really, it's like, well, actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. Would that... Yeah, so that's a reason. Those questions are a reasonable way. There are questions. Yeah, uh, I know they're your uh, questions, yeah. But if the mindset language uh, terminology is current in the culture, you may not get an accurate assessment. But also, um, I'd want to know when they evaluated the students' mindsets, what were they predicting to, um, because it's not under every circumstance that um, mindset assessment at one point is going to mm, predict. Because it's dynamic. Yeah, and it's not for everyone. So in one large study, uh, we found that um, and entering students, as, as students entering college, uh, the mindsets predicted um, whether minority students carry the full course load the first year, which is a big predictor of ultimate um, um, graduation. Yeah. <clears throat> Mind, growth mindset protects, can protect you in situations of vulnerability. If you're not encountering challenges or setbacks, um, or if you already have a growth mindset. Mm. So you have to look at who are the vulnerable populations and um, are they benefiting. And also, we don't say it's every single time mm. it's going to predict, yeah. in, no matter who. And we would like to learn from when it does and when it doesn't. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is, is it, and this is clearly just a, a hypothesis I have. If we were to ascertain the the mindset of somebody, are we as? Uh, is it worthwhile mm -hmm. looking at not just what they say, but combining that with how they yes. act? Yes. Yeah. Again, I feel like as the mindset concept becomes popular, we have to really understand more about whether someone who endorses a mindset mm. is embodying the yeah. mindset in their actions. And, and the, f the, the, the flip side of that is I work with some kids who are incredibly resilient by the, you know, they, they could be homeless, for example, mm -hmm. uh, but they keep turning up to these workshops. Now that, for me, you know, you're talking about resilience and taking on challenge and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But if you were to speak to them, they would hold, so, so they're demonstrating, if you like, yeah. growth mindset behaviors, but when you speak to them, they will look you in the eye and say, I'm dumb, I'm hopeless, mm -hmm. no one cares, this, that, and the other. Yeah. So again, I find it interesting that some people might articulate they have a mindset and don't demonstrate yeah. it, but demonstrate a growth mindset but yeah. can't articulate that. Yes. I find that really interesting. It is really interesting. And, and I wonder if there's, you know, if we're talking about engagement and empowerment and all yeah. that, finding that that nexus between the, the two. Yes. That's, yeah. It's also true that you can have a growth mindset in one domain. Mm. So I can develop my, I have resilience and life skills. I have 
Um, I believe I can develop my athletic ability, mm. but then when it comes to school, no. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> forget yeah. about it. Okay. Um, I just wanted to sort of finish up because you've mentioned, you've alluded to a few studies. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in to, what's next in the body of work around mindset. Where are you, what are you sort of, if, you, if you're allowed to divulge, uh, what are you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, need to know basis. Uh, what are you currently working on? And, and is there anything that you really would like to really explore um, in the next you know, few years or whatever? There are so many things <laughs> we are exploring and hope to explore in the next few years. So first of all, how adults can communicate a growth mindset deeply and effectively. Uh, second, where does growth mindset not take hold? We were discussing that earlier. Um, are there certain schools, are there certain circumstances under which uh, mindset message does not take hold? What can we learn from that? Do we need to communicate more effectively? Do the circumstances have to be shifted? And, ha and how would that be done? We're vitally interested in these questions. And I know I just said that was the last question, but in the spirit of growth mindset and admitting I made a mistake, this <laughs> this is the last question. Um, and and also at the risk of um, doing what we said we shouldn't do, which is oversimplify things. But if 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 there's a teacher listening and they're thinking, okay, I've read the books, you know, I understand this, or or maybe this is the first interaction. If there were one or two pieces of advice that you could give, whether it's an aspiring teacher, a new teacher, a, a teacher who's you know, about to retire, but still wants to impact those kids that they work with on a daily basis. Um, if you can, and I, I appreciate we're simplifying it, but what might be one or two considerations or pieces of advice that you might give them? I'd say focus on the process of learning and understanding. Guide students through that process. Understand how they're thinking. Understand what their strategies are and collaborate with them on advancing that learning. You don't have to be praising everything all the time. You could be inquiring, encouraging, asking questions. Um, focus on that progress. Keep track of it and show students how they achieve that. Those are the teachers who are creating classrooms full of growth mindset students. Well, it's been an absolute treat for me, uh, for me to, too. to be able to sit down and have a <laughs> chat. Um, and I'm sure that the people listening have really got um, a lot out of this as well. So um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the time in Australia. And, and I hope sure to see you back on our shores soon. But uh, for now, thank you very much, Professor Carol Dweck. A pleasure. So I think there's plenty of food for thought in there. Uh, from what Carol had to say and it's certainly an area here at Cut Through Coaching that we spend a lot of time talking about in our team and obviously a lot of time talking about with the people we work with but if you've got any questions comments or maybe even insights into how you've used mindset or would like to use mindset if you head over to habitsofleadership.com slash podcast you might if you, it'd be great if you could. It'd be gr uh, you might want to submit some questions to us for us to consider for future episodes of uh, this podcast. We'll probably end up doing, um, I would imagine, several episodes on 
uh, mindset and how it can be applied in different settings. So if you've got a particular question about your about how you might apply it in your context, then head over to habitsofleadership.com slash podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please um, rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and maybe even leave a comment. It's a small thing for you to do, but it means a great deal um, for us and really helps us um, get our podcast out there and and get it shared. Of course, share it with your colleagues. Um, That would be great also. And if you've got any um, interest in the work that we do, if you head over to habitsofleadership.com or go to our uh, cutthroughhq.com website, you can find out more about what we do. And um, you can also sign up for regular updates, newsletters, insights, articles, and the like. Thanks for listening. And until the next episode, take care and take it easy.